Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Hi, this is Rob McConnell, and I invite you to join me on Turquoise Radio for the X-Zone Radio Show, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. After 21 years of paranormal TV and radio, thousands of celebrity interviews, and millions of worldwide supporters, I am very excited to bring my show to Turquoise Radio, where together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal to the science of parapsychology and all topics in between. Check out the website at turquoiseradio.com for showtimes. The Exxon Radio Show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, on Turquoise Radio. And I'll see you in the Exxon. Papa Hotel, Lima Echo November Radio Check. Papa Echo November, good afternoon, uh, Richard Five. Good afternoon, Radio 5 as well, Papa Echo November. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. It's a reason for fact 
up in North California Where the redwoods reach the skies Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. The exciting news that we have uh, for the last couple of days is the Exxon Now is broadcast in high-definition stereo to all our affiliates worldwide. And you can now listen to us, 724-365, in high-def stereo at www.xzoneradiotv.com forward slash listen.htm. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Scott Marlowe. And Scott is a fellow of the Pangea Institute and educational consultant to the American Primate Conservation Alliance. Uh, he is, uh, Marlowe is the first expert in the field to succeed in establishing an ongoing college course in cryptozoology at a state institution of higher learning anywhere in the world. He's also the author of Cryptoid Creatures of Florida, which was published by CFZ Press of Great Britain. And uh, he literally wrote the book on cryptozoology in the sunshine state. Wow, sunshine state. Yeah. Okay, let's try that again. Sunshine state. Joining me now from the sunshine state is Scott Marlowe. And Scott, welcome back to the X-Zone. Well, thanks, Rob. What's new in the Glad world? To be here. What's new in the world of cryptozoology, Scott? Well, we got all kinds of neat things going on. Uh, you know, uh, a couple weeks back, uh, the big t- big talk was uh, Dr. Ketchum's oh, yeah. uh, d- uh, supposed Bigfoot DNA s- uh, study. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, one of the big things is uh, a new ape species uh, or a new homo- hominin species uh, that's been discovered that uh, has uh, chimpanzee traits as well as human traits. Does this mean somebody actually made out with a monkey? Uh, well... Uh, the actual DNA studies that have been done on that kind of show that uh, human-like species, that's mm. not to say humans as we know them, uh, human-like species interbred with other great ape species uh, periodically during the development of uh, the family tree. Now, so this is not a huge surprise, but it's nice, you know, nice to know that some of the gaps are getting filled in. All right, Scott, you and I have to take our first commercial break, Exxon Nation. Uh, Scott Marlowe is our very special guest, www.pangeainstitute.us or www.pangea-academy.org. And Scott Marlowe and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Monsters, mysteries, legend, tales, and facts.
I walk this earth And I consider it mine I'm going tired I'm weary now Nation, uh, Scott Marlowe is our special guest, and we're talking about cryptozoology this hour. And um, before we went to the commercial break, we, you know, we were talking about the uh, possibility of a new species based on the DNA that may possibly be out there, which would kind of lead one to believe that you know there was an intermixing of races now. And species. Now, during World War II, wasn't Germany involved in some cross-species um, uh, experimentation when they tried to make a superior uh, soldier out of the cross-insemination of uh, monkeys? Actually, with... that was going back before World War II, mm-hmm. and that was Stalin. Uh, and we were doing the same thing, by the way. Uh, our experiments took place according to the information I've developed at the Yerkes Institute, mm-hmm. which at the time was outside of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, but uh, Stalin was doing very much the same thing, and uh, humans interbreeding with chimpanzees or gorillas can't happen because of the differences in uh, the chromosomes. Uh, however, uh, before uh, human species developed into what we are now, uh, it, some inter, interbreeding may have been possible. Is it possible for a species like Bigfoot or any other uh, zoological cryptoid to actually evade human um, human investigation and humans seeking them for all these years? And you know, once again, I go back to the uh, to the Bigfoot sighting going back to California with uh, Patterson and, and crew. You know, how is it possible that nobody's seen the cadaver of a Bigfoot? Nobody's actually found a a Bigfoot. You've got all these wacky TV shows that are now hunting Bigfoot, and nobody's come up with any conclusive evidence that Bigfoot is real. Well, uh, I'm not so sure that that's entirely true. All right. Tell me Uh, where I'm wrong. Now, there have been uh, episodes that are equivocal, you know, such as Zena in, the, in what is now the uh, uh, Republic of Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, which was a supposed Bigfoot or Almasty creature uh, that was captured and lived with humans and actually interbred with humans uh, and uh, produced some prodigy, a progeny. Right. Uh, but, uh, and there have been bodies reportedly found that the carcasses have disappeared. Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Now, some people are going to bristle at this, but there uh, is a creature known as the Biliape in Africa that we've now identified as being a subspecies of chimpanzee mm-hmm. uh, that, according to legend, is the lion killer, which is a African version of our Bigfoot creature. It indeed has been proven to exist. Are there any photographs of it? Oh, yeah. Okay, so and the fossil—I mean, the the, the the physical remains of the animal 
had sat on the shelf in a museum in the Congo, misidentified mm -hmm. for a hundred years before people realized what it was. All right, I'm looking at a world where everybody has a, a camera in their telephone, satellite photography. My Lord, we can read the newsprint articles from a satellite in 20, at $22,000, uh, 22,000 miles in the sky in a geosynchronous orbit. How come we can't find Bigfoot? Well, uh, do you know exactly where he is at any given moment uh, on the planet? No, I don't, but it seems that Bigfoot hunters know because they take these TV shows and they use all this, this well, uh, night yeah, vision, and this, and that, and the other. Well, yeah, I've been on a couple of those shows. Yeah, but still, all, mean, these, uh, all these shows, you know, Scott. First of all, an animal that is as good at being secretive as this animal is uh, is not going to show up for a photo op on demand. I understand that, Scott, uh, but, but, in, but to be realistic... All these shows are, are really hokey because there is no proof that Bigfoot is real. That's true. Okay, so why isn't there scientific evidence or physical evidence that Bigfoot is real? And if there is none, drop the topic of Bigfoot. Well, it's been around for a long time. I mean, the big Bigfoot stories go back, uh, you know what the Epic of Gilgamesh is, I trust. Sure. All right, well, the first time a Bigfoot character ever appears in human literature, which would be the Epic of Gilgamesh, about 6,000 years old, uh, appears in Tablet 1 of that story. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the animal's called Enkidu, who happens to be a friend of Gilgamesh. Okay. So, I mean, you know, Bigfoot is not a modern phenomenon. The phenomenon has been around for as long as humans have recorded their history. Is Bigfoot a phenomenon or a myth? We don't know. So how can we call it That's a phenomenon? That's why we're looking. <laughs> but, you know, there's all these people out there with night vision cameras, night vision goggles, uh, these little high-tech systems that are available to buy on the Internet now who are looking all over the United States, Canada, and I'm sure other places around the world for this elusive creature. Never found. Is the creature that well, much more yeah. smarter than we are? It doesn't have to be smarter. It just has to be more adept at living in the woods, which we're not. So we are not the smartest apple on the tree then? Well, if you've got an animal that is nearly human and is uh, acclimated to living in the forest and more in tune with its senses than we are... Mm -hmm doesn't require the technology that we do. But we're just assuming uh, at this point that the creature is real. For all we know... Well, no, I'm saying that if, the, if this indeed is the case, mm. I mean, if it's true that the animal is out there, yeah. and it is an animal, right? all right, and it has accomplished this feat for so long, uh -huh. it's got to be pretty darn good at it. E either that or all the Bigfoot... Researchers or hunters are chasing shadows, and the creature doesn't exist. Well, that's entirely possible. What happens if there's... What would happen to the world of cryptozoology? Because we have Nessie in cryptozoology. Nobody can prove she exists. You've got Bigfoot, and you've got these other phenomenon that are phenomena or myth, however you want to classify them, that are attracting the attention of all these people, and yet there's nothing to substantiate the existence except folklore, tales, and mythology. Well, and that's one of the things that we're trying to verify. Now, that does it mean that cryptozoology would fall apart? Of course mm -hmm. not. We find 300 animals at least every year that nobody knew anything about. Okay. Now, so that's not necessarily cryptozoologists 
by name, mm-hmm. but it's cryptozoologists de facto. Uh, and you know, in many cases, these animals are legendary, and yet they are eventually found. A uh, good example, and I've got to go back you know, quite a few years here mm-hmm. because it's been done, but uh, what about the coelacanth, yeah. which was supposed to predate the dinosaurs, have gone extinct with them, and mm-hmm. was found merrily paddling along off the coast of South Africa and uh, in Indonesia. Well, as we know for a fact that more scientific investigation has been done to the stars than right here on this planet. So that doesn't well, surprise me at all. Well, there are places that are, you know, like some of the mastiffs up in the Himalayas mm-hmm. that are relatively unexplored. Yeah, as well as the deepest parts of the oceans. Well, so who knows yeah. what's there? And, and you know, sometimes the best place to hide is out in the, right out in the open. Tell me, what's so your... What's you, your? Yeah, I don't know. I okay. can't answer all those questions. If I could, then mm-hmm. we wouldn't have a problem. What's your take on the Patterson film? I tend to believe that it's real, but I have mm-hmm. also seen evidence that it is not. So I'm sitting on the fence. In your opinion, what is the smoking gun that cryptozoologists have at this very time that Bigfoot is real? Well, the best evidence we've got at this point are the tracks, tracks. many of which have, have you know, the uh, animal tracks that uh, the animal supposedly left behind. Uh, and Jimmy Chilcott's a very accomplished uh, uh, expert on th- that type of evidence, mm-hmm. that type of forensic evidence. And he, the things that he has discovered with regard to dermal ridges, i.e. fingerprints and toe prints and what have you, uh, of, you know, of the skin, indicates that the animal or the, whoever is making the tracks is either extremely accomplished at it uh, or uh, that there's something out there that is definitely not human that's leaving these things behind. Are there reports of Bigfoot throughout the United States and Canada, or are they localized? Well, they're all over the place, but in some cases the animal has a different appearance or a different hmm. profile. Uh, Bigfoot has really become a, a catch-all phrase for any bipedal, hairy primate or uh, primate human-like or whatever animal. Uh, and it, but it's known by different names all over the place. There's about 300 different American Indian names for it, and there's about 300 different colloquial names that it's known by in different places in the world. Hmm. But it's essentially describing the same kind of character whether it's 12 foot tall, whether it's the same height as we are, or whether it's 3 foot tall. Do we know a lot about the creature we call Bigfoot? We know a good bit, but not necessarily enough to to give it away yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other hand, uh, Dion Fawzi spent months in the bush uh, with the mountain gorillas before they'd even let her see them. So I honestly don't think that... uh, a weekend warrior is going to go out there periodically uh, uh, and uh, not live in the forest along with the other animals and just happen to get lucky and uh, will be able to walk up one day and shake its hand. Yeah, that, that, that to me is a high impossibility as well. You and I have to take our commercial break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes after the news. Scott, ExoNation Scott Marlowe is our special guest www.pangeainstitute.us and www.pangea-academy.com. 
I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, now broadcasting in high-definition stereo. And I consider it mine I'm going tired I'm weary now You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www. XZoneRadioTV.com I'm the swans what you think I've seen Something strange you know Sasquatch sitting on the side of his knee And he was talking to Marcus and Joe Where the party they gonna have out in St. John's Walls Sasquatch doing brand new dance And he called it the Bigfoot Stone Explanation, uh, Scott Marlowe is my guest this hour, www.pangeainstitute.us and www.pangea-academy.org. Scott, why don't you tell our listeners about the Pangea Institute? Well, we're a, an educational service organization. Uh, we do design curriculum, among other things, uh, for colleges and universities, uh, in addition to uh, doing our own teaching and uh, instruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, you mentioned my class at FKCC. Uh, this summer I'm doing a series of summer camps on Mystery Monsters of Florida and Florida Paleontology for Hillsborough Community College. And uh, they start in June. Wow. Well, so those are the types of things that Pangea does. What is your academic background, Scott? Uh, well, basically by training, I started out in pre-med and wound up as an anthropologist. Uh, although I have not taken a degree in anthropology, I have more than enough uh, mm-hmm. credits to get my degree. I just uh, am refusing to take it until I get a degree in cryptozoology. Is there such a degree? And no college or university at this point offers a cryptozoology program. Why not? They Well, they don't recognize it as a science unto itself yet. It's coming, but it's going to take some time. So as a scientist, why wouldn't you want to have a degree so that you could further progress the institution of a cryptozoological degree? 
well, I really didn't want to go the route that I am until I reached my mid-40s mm-hmm. and was forced to retire. At the time, I was a computer repairman for Apple. Oh, I see. And uh, did K-12 computers and uh, wound up uh, having complications due to diabetes that forced my early retirement. But uh, then I got involved doing things with Pangea and got involved teaching the, the course, which I had been studying privately for 35 years, uh, and, you know, all these mystery animals all over the world. And uh, it, it, then I finally decided that's what I wanted to do. So what was the and catalyst? Of course, I, I had my teaching certificate mm-hmm. for computers, so I didn't really need it. All right, so what, what was the catalyst in your life that made you focus on cryptozoology? Well, the, the thing that happened locally that you know really started the whole thing was mm-hmm. a lady friend of mine and her husband had an encounter with a swamp ape outside of Lakeland after Hurricane Charlie passed through in 2004. And that became the impetus that uh, it got me going with the class and got me involved with the American Primate Conservation Alliance and uh, got everything noticed because every local paper in town picked it up. Mm-hmm. But I knew a good bit about proper forensic interviewing and what have you, and uh, some of the news media wanted to turn it into a circus, and I, you know, Jen was a, a pretty, pretty good study and very, very reliable as a witness. So she listened to me, and we wound up even telling CBS to <clears throat> F off uh, because they didn't want to pursue the story properly. Uh, and uh, that really got me noticed because I wasn't interested in national media. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that you knew how to do proper forensic interviewing. What is that? Well, among other things, you don't ever lead a witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the problems I have with one of the leading Bigfoot research organizations is the people they put in the field to look into these stories uh, lead the uh, the witnesses and tell them what they saw, and that's completely improper. You don't ever do that. Well, isn't that because these so-called investigators have no formal investigation training whatsoever? Well, and that indeed becomes one of the issues that I have uh, with the Ketchum report Mm -hmm. uh, on the Bigfoot DNA. I applaud Dr. Ketchum's effort, but the fact that DNA samples that uh, have been tested were collected by untrained individuals in the field with no chain of custody and uh, you know, no apparent uh, checks and balances leads the entire thing to be questionable. And we see this in every aspect of, of the paranormal. People who believe they know what the hell they're doing are just screwing everything up. Well, not necessarily. Some oh. of them do indeed know what they're doing. But Name the me problem three. is, Name me if three you pe- don't know how to properly document mm-hmm. it or what the proper procedures are, uh, it's it subjects whatever work is done to such scrutiny that it falls down according to scientific standards. Exactly, and that's my biggest problem with the Roswell, New Mexico alleged UFO crash is that the base base intelligence officer, Jesse Marcel, broke the chain of evidence. And, and yeah. y- and yet, well, you know, you've got that issue. Yeah. And frankly, I'm not as interested in what happened in Roswell as I am the crash that happened at the same time 200 miles west of it that exactly. nobody ever talks about. But, you know, what happens in the case of the paranormal and these topics when people who have been hard proponents of, let's take Roswell, you who have believed in Roswell are now saying, wait a minute, we made a mistake. Does this well, happen in happens. cryptozoology as well? 
You know, I mean, we've gone through periods of, oh, the, the Patterson-Gimlin film is gold. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's a hoax. Yeah. Oh, the Patterson-Gimlin film is, hoax, is, is, is gold. Oh, it's a hoax. Yeah, it goes on and on and on until somebody comes up with something that's unequivocal. And unfortunately, working mm-hmm. with cryptids, that's not always the case. Yeah, it seems that so, that's the standard, it, though, within the world uh, of paranormal parapsychology, inve- not parapsychology investigations by true scientists who are accredited. I mean the people who are, as you stated, weekend warriors. The, you know, in, in the UFO yeah, realm, you've just a sec, just a second, just a, just a second, true. just a second, please. You've got people yep. who, within the UFO realm, look at Cro- uh, Roswell as the Holy Grail. You've got people within cryptozoology who look at the Patterson film as the Holy Grail. You've got people who do ghost hunting and investigations who look at the Amityville Horror as the as the um, Holy Grail. And yet, to me, it's all smoke and mirrors. Well, let me since you bring up the Grail, let me bring up something closely related. Okay. How about the Shroud of Turin? I don't believe it's anything to do with uh, the the alleged uh, body of Christ. I, I don't buy that story at all. Well, and there's people out there that don't, and there's people out there that do, sure. and there's all kinds of scientific work, work that has been done on it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it still comes up with equivocal evidence. That's right. That's right. But you, you don't have all the people in the field looking for the Shroud of Turin that you do have looking for Bigfoot. I don't see any television shows showing a bunch of what I consider to be yahoos going out there looking for Bigfoot. You don't have the same amount of yahoos looking for the Shroud of Turin. You know, it seems that well, this is all I mean, marketing. Well, a spade a spade, too, Rob. I mean, the television shows are entertainment. They're yeah. not science. Well, then so, why I are mean, they... You know, they want to put the, the, the Marx Brothers out there looking yeah. for Bigfoot because it looks ridiculous and it entertains the customers. But what does that do to credible... What, so what does that do to, to credible people like yourself who are out there trying to make a difference and trying to prove that this is real? It makes it more difficult, obviously, but, you know, it, it's a two-edged sword. Mm. Awareness also has some, some value, too. Uh, so the public being aware of what you're doing, although they may not necessarily hold it in high regard, mm-hmm. at least uh, keeps it in the public eye and makes it newsworthy. Tom Biscardi, what did he do for the Bigfoot Society and the Bigfoot research? <laughs> uh, well, let's put it this way. Okay. Uh, I heard the stories of Tom when I first got into this heavy duty, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see what the guy was all about myself and give the guy a chance sure. because you know people stab each other in the back all the time so i went out with him twice mm-hmm. both times he fooled me or tried to okay and tried to set me up for a hope so i don't give him a lot of credence and there's a lot of people out there who don't yeah me included but okay but uh you know on the other hand he's a likable guy but uh that doesn't that doesn't hold water and frankly uh, you know, he and his uh, uh, cohorts, uh, Dyer, Witten, and yeah. all the people involved with that Bigfoot in the Freezer nonsense, oh gosh, which was yeah. only a, uh, a modern restaging of the uh, uh, Minnesota Iceman, uh, probably did, did a great deal to set us back. But there are people out there profiting, a la videos and otherwise, from a gullible public that mm-hmm. still wants to believe that what they did was relatively true. Wow. You're in Florida. I understand that Florida has its own cryptids. 
Yeah, oh, we have quite a few. Really? Tell We've us about them. We've got 21 that I wrote about in my book, Cryptid Creatures of Florida, and there's another 16 that I'm working on in the sequel. 16? Yeah, another 16 cryptids. Now, is there a common link between all these cryptids? No. So are these all different? Other than they're mysterious animals yeah. that no one can really verify, per se, although some of them we have resolved... Uh, that uh, a la the Monster Quest episode I did on the lake monster, in mm -hmm. quotes, down in Lake Worth, which turned out to be a seal. Right. Uh, but uh, most of the time what we find out is it's a known animal out of its ordinary habitat. So to the locals, it's totally a mystery. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, another good example is the black Florida panther, which may indeed be a melanistic puma uh, or a... Uh, Puma concolor, uh, but science tells us that a melanistic phase for the Puma concolor is impossible. I don't agree. Is it possible? But, because there's a lot of circus training camps in Florida. Is it possible that this is just a panther that escaped? Well, it could be a black jaguar, but I don't think so. Now, you have to remember when I say that, okay. that people who have seen it, myself included, uh, and uh, Jim Broadus, who runs a facility up in the Panama City area, who have raised Florida panthers from cubs, know exactly what a panther looks like, a Florida mm. panther looks like. And that is what we're seeing. Now, there are subtle differences in the appearance of a jaguar that the average person would probably not notice the difference, but those people who have been around these animals would. So here we've got an expert saying it's it's a Florida puma. Uh, puma? Well, I think it is. Okay. And I've I've seen it twice now in two different locations, and I know Jim has seen it at least once with his wife Bertie. Uh, my son saw it with me the second time riding in a separate vehicle when it jumped in front of my my car. So you know I, I know there's something there. Tell me, with all the investigating that you've done and research that you've done into cryptoids, uh, not only in the state of Florida, but other places uh, throughout the United States, and I'm sure far beyond, do you believe that these creatures pose a threat to humanity, or does humanity no. pose a threat to the creatures? As in the case with any animal, humans are more of a threat to them than they are to us. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it is, Scott? And I'm sure you get this question a lot of times. Why do you think it is that there has never been the body of a Bigfoot found on the side of a road? Like we see bears, we see moose, we see deers, we see rabbits, we see porcupines, skunks. How come no Bigfoot? Well, and there are stories where Bigfoot creatures have indeed been struck by vehicles, mm -hmm. but they have not found bodies. Uh, I'm aware of one case where a police officer went into, went, got involved in the chase and reported the animal after it had an accident with a car, and he couldn't find it. I don't know. Uh, I do know that there have been stories coming out of China where they have found Bigfoot bodies, but the bodies ostensibly disappear, and we hear that kind of story all the time. In Star Wars... So I, I don't know that it's entirely true that they mm -hmm. haven't been found, but on the other hand, there's nothing to examine. You know, Star Wars, the, the Chewbacca, was that a representation of Bigfoot? And is there a connection between Bigfoot and UFOs? Well, I'm sure that the Bigfoot creature was an inspiration for Mr. Lucas for mm -hmm. his Wookiee character. I don't know that that's a direct thing, uh, but 
hey, you know, it worked. Uh, you know, there, I know that uh, Bigfoot creatures in an area of the southeastern United States is known as the Wookiee. So is there, is there a correlation, in your opinion, or a connection between Bigfoot and UFOs? Uh, I don't think so. All right, Exonation. Nation, Scott Marlowe is my guest this hour, www.pangeainstitute.us and www.pangea-academy.org. And Scott and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues. We're right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard, is now heard worldwide in high-definition stereo. Don't go away. I'm the swans, what you think I've seen Something strange, you know Sasquatch sitting on the side of his knee And he was talking to Moxie Joe Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jennings, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists Facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Oh, get laying on the edge of the swamp, laying there waiting on you. Sways of granite Cause you ain't wearing no shoes Ain't wearing no shoes What you doing? Down Welcome back everyone Scott Marlowe is my guest to this hour I'll Tell you It's nice talking to Scott He's real He doesn't like um, You know he, he, Whenever Scott's with you, you know, On the radio You're not going to get all this Usually I'd call it BS, and that stands for bull something. But I guess in this case we can call it BS, Bigfoot something else. And Scott, I commend you on the great work that you do. Thank you. Um, what would you like people to know about real cryptozoology? And how can, a, how can a listener tell the difference between a professional like yourself who's dedicated so many years to credible research compared to those who want to be cryptozoologists and researchers who don't know what the hell they're doing? Well, first let me say there's lots of people out there that want to do the real work. I mean, my God, ever since I started teaching the, the class, I get questions every week from mm -hmm. people wanting to pursue it as a professional uh, career move. And you know, while I commend them on it, I got to caution them because they run up in the same quandary I'm in. I mean, there's no official recognition of the science by mainstream science. Right. So you're you're going to get all of the hard questions. You're going to get a lot of difficulty. It's very hard to earn a living doing it. 
uh, because you have to teach, you have to write books, and of course that kind of goes together because they the colleges love you to be published. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know you've got to do TV shows which don't always want to present things the way they are. Uh, so you know reality television. I hate to burst everybody's bubble as anything but reality. Well, you know I'm not going to comment on that because I don't watch it. But you know what can I say? Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to have to walk a fine line, and you have to uh, you have to really protect your credibility. That's sure. the most important thing if you want to pursue it professionally. Uh, other people want to pursue it in order to make a quick buck, and they're pretty easy to spot the difference. Uh, you know, some people do it because they like limelight. Well, mm -hmm. you know, that's okay if you got somebody that's out there and seeks the limelight when they actually have a good reason to get it. I have no problem with that. Somebody who creates stories or hoaxes or fakes or proceeds with something they know is not real to get the limelight, I've got a problem with. But, you know, it, it, people should be able to differentiate that stuff. When's your next book come out, Scott? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I've got almost all the research done. I'm mm -hmm. ready to write. I've got to get to the point that I have, have, number one, the time, and number two, the ability to get away from everything. That I'm one of those people that when the research is done, you could stick a straw in my forehead and the other end of the straw in a, to a fountain pen, and out it comes. Uh, but I have to be not exactly alone, but in an uninvolved uh, situation where I can focus strictly on doing what I do, and then in three months I've got a book. Wow. Uh, if I'm doing what I'm doing now because I'm in the middle of producing and directing a, a, a movie, mm -hmm. uh, I'm you know working on several stories and doing research on some, some sightings that have gone on around here, uh, you know, and I'm involved with any number of other things, and including my, you know, the teaching, which requires an awful lot of prep time. Uh, in order to do these summer camps that are coming up, because that's not a class that I've been teaching, you know, over and over again. Uh, you know, I just right now I don't have time, so I'm thinking I'll probably wind up writing sometime this winter, and maybe by depending on whether I go the publishing route with conventionally or self-publish, then it's a question of the book could be out in anything from three months to another year. Scott, we have to say so long for now. Continued success, and we look forward to the next time you join us here in the X-Zone. Take care, Scott. Scott Marlowe, what can I say that he hasn't already said? I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the X-Zone continues. We're right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the X-Zone. Send me an email. When it comes to Bigfoot, are you a believer or a skeptic? I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. Don't go away.